Welcome back to the Scarlet Fever, the Daily Nebraskans' own sports podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Meyer, alongside with me for the first time, my co-host, Anthony Rubeck. Thanks so much for joining us today. In the world of student journalism, unfortunately, there's quite a bit of turnaround, so it took us a while to get this podcast back up, but we are here, nevertheless, excited to get it rolling once again. Anthony, your first time as a co-host of the pod. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well. I was a guest for an episode last year, so I'm Mm -hmm. just overall excited for this year, excited to be a part of the show. Yeah, absolutely. We're glad glad to have you. Anthony's one of our assistant sports editors this year uh, alongside me, so we're excited to get this thing started with the ball rolling. Um, We'll start it off with the best thing we saw this week. Anthony, what was the best thing you saw this week in uh, Husker Athletics? Uh, Yeah, mine comes from the women's soccer team. Okay. this happened on Sunday against Northwestern. Eleanor Dale continued her outstanding year with her sixth game-winning goal of the season, which leads the country. And she also leads the country in total goals with 17. So she was able to add to that total on Sunday, scoring a goal in the 85th minute to give the Huskers the win. And, yeah, she's just been on a tear from mm. the start of the oh, year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Nebraska soccer has been pretty fun to watch this year. Obviously, kind of get drowns out sometimes by the grumblings of the football team and the success of the volleyball team. But nevertheless, a really important sport that we should be paying attention to. Uh, great job there from Nebraska soccer. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, mine is, uh, well, it's not exactly Husker Athletics. It's what Caitlin Clark had to say. Uh, I believe it was yesterday. She said she was a big fan of Nebraska volleyball and what they've done for women's sports. So I think that... Uh, that confirms that Caitlin Clark loves Nebraska and Nebraska <laughs> athletics, which I'm sure we all knew. Uh, actually, there was quite a bit of divisive uh, discourse on Twitter about this whole thing, about, well, you know, Caitlin Clark is not exactly the uh, best matchup for Nebraska women's basketball, so should we be supporting her support of Nebraska's own athletic team? Who knows? It's all a big uh, wash there. But Caitlin Clark, big supporter of Nebraska volleyball. She said to the uh, outdoor stadium at Memorial Stadium, the outdoor match at Memorial Stadium was one of the coolest events she'd ever seen. I would have to agree with that. Uh, I don't know about you. We were both in attendance as fans, which we don't get to do often, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, Let's move into the big topic this week, Nebraska football. Uh, It's week five, so we haven't really got to share our opinions so far on this team. Anthony, what's been the biggest theme of this season for you so far for Nebraska football? Uh, Yeah, I'd say, I mean, there's still a lot to be done with Matt Rule with the whole team, offense, defense. They've had their highs, they've had their lows. And I think just the biggest theme really is just being able to put piece together consistent football. I mean, we've seen glimpses of it. We've seen them perform well for a half, then Mm -hmm. fall apart in the second. And it has honestly looked better in the past couple weeks. Granted, the Michigan game (laughs) did serve as a giant step back. But overall, I'm still pretty optimistic. I feel like they have a favorable schedule going forward. So it really all depends on this Friday's game. Absolutely. It's, you know, for Nebraska fans, this is a continued theme over the last decade of failure. And um, I think the most important thing for us to look at right now is that this is Matt Rule's first year, and there are going to be um, places where he can improve, where the team can improve. It has not been pretty by any stretch of the imagination through five games. The Minnesota game was ugly. The Colorado game was uh, a blowout late. Michigan was a complete embarrassment on in pretty much every facet. But there are positives to be taken away. Like you said, 
there is a still a very winnable schedule ahead with lots of easy opponent. I won't say easy, but uh, beatable opponents. And surprisingly, actually, I don't know why we should be surprised at this. The Big Ten West <laughs> is still up for grabs. I wouldn't be surprised if anyone wins that. Even Northwestern getting a conference win for the first time since they beat us. So I think the biggest theme for me has been the growth of the team under rule. Even though it hasn't been consistent, the team has wanted to fight more than I've seen in the past. Last year, the start of the year was such a letdown because expectations had been high. And I think this year, the expectations were a lot lower. We saw that going into the Michigan game. There was not much hype going into that matchup because the expectations were so low. And even though that can come across as the team maybe not caring as much, I think there's so much work to be done here that given time, given the proper pieces, Matt Rule will turn this around. But as we know, Nebraska fans don't really want to think here about the future. They want to hear about the now. And the now, quite frankly, has been not great. Um, and so moving into this Illinois matchup, there's a lot of things that can be discussed. Um, one of the things I want to kind of get your opinion on, Anthony, here is what you make of this quarterback situation as of now. I'm kind of in the camp of move forward with Harburg. He's played the last three games. You can't really go back to Sims now. Uh, what's your opinion? I know Matt Rule won't commit to one of them, and I don't think he will for the rest of the season unless something drastically changes. He says we can win with both. What's your opinion of that situation currently? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Rule, Satterfield, in their press conferences, they always say Sims mm -hmm. is not 100% yet. <laughs> They're always saying he's getting better each day. He's getting better each week. But for right now, I feel like if it isn't broke, I mean, granted, Harburg did – lose a game against Michigan, but right. he looked better. As we, as, we, as we expect. Yeah. I feel like Harburg, you can just see his confidence growing mm -hmm. each week um, at quarterback. And then, wow, yeah, Sims, two tough road games against power conference teams. It's not the ideal way to start a season, but he really did not perform. He turned the ball over way too much. Harburg has genuinely been pretty good uh, limiting turnovers, and he's playing with confidence that – Against Michigan, I see, saw him make a couple throws, mm -hmm. maybe evade pressure a couple times that I just don't see Sims making, especially if he's not 100% after the injury. So I think just roll with Harburg going forward. Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree with you there. I think the, the Sims injury was not only a well-timed but a convenient excuse for Rule and company not to have to name a starter <laughs> uh, because if he was completely 100% healthy, the questions would be a lot louder. I think you've got to keep rolling with Harburg at this point. I know there's been a lot of concern around the fan base of Harburg's just not very good, right? He doesn't have that high ceiling that maybe something Jeff Sims has. He's not a good thrower. Uh, and the run, the option, isn't really how you're going to win games in today's football. He hasn't even really run the option. He kind of just runs the <laughs> ball. It is, hasn't uh, pitched it yet, uh, to my knowledge. But I think at this point, you have to stick with what you, like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I wouldn't say that <laughs> Harburg's play has ne necessarily been uh, great, but Sims' play was certainly broken, and they, and they have fixed it to a level, uh, to a certain degree. Sims has been so inconsistent that it held the team back, and I know Harburg has had a couple turnovers, but to my knowledge, to my, what I've seen from my eyes, those turnovers have not cost the team games on their own. Whereas Sims' turnovers directly 
impacted specifically the Minnesota game and the Colorado game because of how early the defense had to come back out there on multiple uh, possessions. I think it's by a foregone conclusion at this point that Harburg plays against Minnesota and Nebraska wins. I think that's pretty – I don't think that's too controversial to say. And I think against Colorado, while I still think Nebraska would have lost, I think the game would have been closer going into the fourth quarter where the defense isn't out there so much. So not necessarily you're going to you're going to get these ugly games going forward. It's the Big 10 West. It's Big 10 West football. There are going to be ugly close games that come down to one score and a turnover is absolutely what you cannot afford in these games. I think Sims, while he may have a higher ceiling, is way more turnover prone and I do not understand this narrative around the program that they're both equally bad options and Sims has the higher ceiling. Well, we've seen what Sims can do against good opponents and it's not great. I want to see Harbor go against a team like Minnesota, which is well, you know, we won't play, won't see them him play Minnesota again, but we'll see similar makeups and similar teams in the Big Ten West. So I want to see what the Harburg train has going for us. As far as defensively, big letdown against Michigan. Um, but overall this season, what have you seen from them that you've been impressed by compared to maybe last year? Yeah, obviously our defense, the their defense has made a massive step forward, uh, going off of last season into this season especially in the run game. They were number two, number one, top three in the country for the first part of the season until the Michigan game. But, again, what do you expect? Mm -hmm. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, all those guys. But they have really stepped up. They're playing with some aggression that I I didn't see in the past. I mean, they're not afraid to tackle. They have been kind of slacking off at least in the last couple weeks when it comes to open field tackling, but they're still able to – Get, the, get it done most of the time. They swarm the football. Very Overall, a very big step forward. That being said, there has been kind of, again, some little step backs in the past or in the past few weeks as opposed to pass rush. I mean, they didn't. They had, are going two weeks without a sack, which includes going against a Louisiana Tech team whose offensive line ranks near the bottom of the country. And also a thing that scares me is their lack of uh, creating turnovers, mm-hmm. which – I mean, I might be wrong here, but I think the only turnover that really, like, mattered when they got it was Omar Brown's interception week one against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The rest of the turnovers Nebraska had were already in late game, games already out of reach, didn't really affect the outcome. Absolutely. I think those two things are areas where they need to build. I think we'll give them a, not necessarily a pass, but against Michigan – I don't know what else they were supposed to do, right? I mean, from both ends of the field, from the line of scrimmage, uh, the quarterback, the running back play, the wide receivers, the talent that Michigan had was so incredibly superior that you can't expect Nebraska to come out and have that same defensive performance. Now, that's not to say there weren't a lot of execution errors that could could have made the game closer. And Matt Rule was extremely fired up on Monday, which was really interesting to see because I had not seen him really have that much passion under him in all the other press conferences that I've seen him talk at. But he was fired up, and he said, this is not acceptable, right? We have the guys. We have the talent. He wasn't saying I, we expected to beat Minnesota by any stretch of the imagination, or Michigan by any stretch of the imagination. But what he was saying was we should have been closer. This should not have been a domination. The fans shouldn't have been leaving by the time the first half ended. So while I'll give him a pass for Minis- or for Michigan, sorry, I keep messing him up, I'll give him a pass for Michigan. Going forward, it needs to improve. Um, I know 
obviously with Reimer going to the hospital right before the game and Deshaun Singleton going out on the second snap of the game, combined with that intense environment of going against a number two team in front of your home fans who you don't want to let down, it's a tough, tough ask for the defense to come out as strong as they had been all season. Going forward, though, they need to get back to that. And I think this week against Illinois is going to be the biggest factor in how the rest of the season is set up. Uh, and I said this in my press conference review on Monday, but this game is absolutely the turning point in the season. You win this game, you're 3-3 three and three going into the bye, and you have winnable games on the horizon with Big Ten against Big Ten West teams that aren't very good. A lot of those games are at home. And then if you lose, you go into the bye two and four with arguably one of your easier opponents in your rearview mirror. And that is not a situation where Matt Rule wants to be in. That will be a long two weeks of answering questions on why were you not able to beat Illinois, who Purdue just blew out. They've barely beat some group of five teams and has not looked anything like they did last year. So this game is absolutely the turning point. Um, what, what do you expect out of this matchup for Nebraska? Uh, yeah, like you said, I think this game really makes or breaks their season, uh, everything going forward. I think that, again, the aggression that Rule talked about on Monday, the fact that they had a, all, a full pad practice on Sunday, that, that was a very uh, key theme that was getting brought up on the Tuesday press conferences with the uh, offensive, defensive coordinators and players. Just all about that. I think Nebraska is going to come out with some aggression. Some, they're going to be mad, I think, after what happened this past weekend. And I think that it might not be a perfect game just because Nebraska, you know, <laughs> the offense. I think that they're going to play with some aggression. They're going to play like this game means, honestly, kind of more than it probably does mm -hmm. in the long run. They're going to treat it as a bowl game, I feel like. And it's just a matter if they can execute on that. They're going to have the mindset going in. It's just going to be the ma uh, matter if they execute that on the field. Absolutely. I think you get to 3-3 three and three going to the bye, and the, the season kind of turns around from there. I mean, I think a bowl game is the expect – I wouldn't say the expectation, but that is how you'll feel satisfied after this season if you're Rule and the team. And so from there, three more wins is certainly feasible. You lose this one, and that seems like a bigger challenge day in and day out. Um, but, you know, Minnesota was an easily winnable game, and they played a good half of football defensively against Colorado. So there are definite positives going into this matchup. I mean, this Illinois team is floundering almost as much as uh, – probably even more than Nebraska is. I mean, coming off a great season last year, they finished – they didn't finish very strong, but they were ranked for a good portion of last season – excellent defense, great running game, really embodied what it meant to be a Big Ten West team, kept it close with Michigan, really gave them their best test of the season. Then you lose a bunch of guys to the NFL, you kind of reset this season, new quarterback, new running back, and it has not looked pretty so far. The losses have been really bad. Kansas ran the ball, you know, ran it up on them. Uh, Penn State dominated them, you know, from start to finish. Um, and they just got housed by Purdue. It was a close game in the first half, but the third quarter, Purdue kind of ran away with it. Um, with this version of Purdue, with a new coach and, and a new system, you never really want to be getting housed by them. And then they barely beat Toledo. They barely beat Florida Atlantic. 
this is not a team that has much confidence going into this game. It's a Friday night game, short week. It's going to be ugly. I, I just expect that this Nebraska team's able to come out and hand it to them. If they're not able to do that, I'm not too confident that the rest of the schedule is going to be very pretty. Um, what, what's your take on Illinois so far going into this season or going into this game? Yeah, like you said, they're a f- completely different team from last year. I mean, at least with Nebraska's wins over non-conference opponents, well, they weren't pretty by any stand. Mm-hmm. They still ended up winning the game convincingly. Second half looked stronger in both of those games. Meanwhile, Illinois has, again, struggled to beat Toledo, struggled to beat Florida Atlantic. And obviously, again, their defense was one of the best in the country last year. Now pretty bad, (laughs) averaging 30 uh, points allowed per game. I don't think Nebraska is going to get up there in points just because our offense is also one of the worst scoring, especially, I think, worst in the Big Ten uh, points per game. But I feel like it's a favorable matchup. Yeah, I think Illinois is – not the team they were a year ago, and I think Nebraska's going to use that as their advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got worse in the Big Ten in both scoring and total yards for Illinois. That is a huge fall off. Uh, and their offensive line might be even worse than Nebraska's. They grade pretty similarly. It's got to be an emphasis this week, right? You talked about sacks and how Nebraska hasn't been able to you know, really get anything going at the, at the defensive line over the last two weeks. This is their opportunity to turn that around kind of get things going in the right right direction. It's kind of a good get-back game opportunity. They need to get sacks, and Illinois loves to give up sacks. Quarterback Luke Alkmaier has been sacked 19 times this year, which is more than all quarterbacks in Power 5, except Shitter Sanders, who uh, I don't know if you know, but is quite a, a little bit of a good, better passer than Luke Alkmaier. <laughs> I, I think most most would agree with that. It, it's not quite a controversial take. But he gets sacked a lot, and he is forced into, you know, questionable throws, bad reads because of that. So overall, Nebraska's defense has a great opportunity to prove themselves this week. They kind of got embarrassed last week. Michigan, for probably the first five drives, had everything go their way. I think Nebraska's defense needs to take that as, hey, we can't let that happen again. It's been talked about this week. Uh, It's easy to talk, right? It's easy for these guys to say, hey, we're going to come out with fire. They need to go out and prove it because this is an Illinois team that absolutely can come across as one of those teams that's just kind of sitting there waiting for someone to really beat them down, which happened last week. Um, They turn the ball over even more than Nebraska does, which is – Impressive, <laughs> to say the least. They're even less disciplined penalty-wise. Um, so there's these are all things where Nebraska has lost games over the years because they haven't been disciplined, because they've turned the ball over, because they can't protect the quarterback. They need to flip the script here and have that same production against Illinois. Like you said earlier as well, Illinois' defense has struggled this, this season. Uh, what do you think Nebraska's offense can do to kind of take advantage of that weak unit? Uh, yeah, I think that it really goes back to their identity of just pounding the rock, running the football. I mean, obviously they kind of steered away from that for the most part against Michigan. Really d- didn't have the opportunity to do that, falling into a hole deep. You have to throw the football more in those games. But I think this would be a great chance to just get Anthony Grant back in his mojo, back in his zone, 
Um, test out some other running backs, obviously. Joshua Fleeks being turned there from receiver. Uh, saved our shutout last weekend. Saved their shutout last weekend. So I I think that just pound the rock, do, some, do something that Harburg is comfortable doing. Don't have him be, you know, throwing the ball majority of the game. He While he has improved as a passer, he's able to – um, that's still definitely a secondary ability. So I think continue trying out the option, maybe see him pitch the ball a little bit more, maybe if that's what they bite on, but focus on the run game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. it's They're going to have to score some points here. Illinois' offense is able when they are operating at – you know, the full level that they're able to operate at, they're able to put up points on the board. We've seen that so far. It's really been the defense that's let them down, let games get out of hand, and then they're not able to catch up. Nebraska's offense probably is not going to take it as much advantage of that as teams like Kansas and Toledo did. And so that, to me, needs to be a point of emphasis of they need to not make – Nebraska can't make mistakes. I think this game comes down to who makes more mistakes. That's why I think Harburg is absolutely the right go here. Um, he needs to play a clean game. They can't turn the ball over. They need to control the clock so that Illinois' defense is on the field for longer than their offense is, which has been the case in most games so far this year. Uh, I believe they're only averaging like 27 minutes uh, time of possession. So Nebraska can has does have an opportunity here to really control the ball, like you said, pound the rock, uh, win at the line of scrimmage. Illinois' defense is not nearly the same pressure up front that they were last season. Um, and, and in terms of Illinois' offense, they're going to be able to score unless they have, you know, they're pressured into mistakes. Luke Altmaier is a solid quarterback. He's able to make throws. Um, he's by no means like some of the other quarterbacks that, you know, I think he, he's better than Calicumanis that we saw week one. Um, obviously, he's nowhere near what J.J. McCarthy can do, but he's a solid option that, if given time, can make throws. Um, he's got Isaiah Williams, who is an incredible wide receiver um, out wide. He's super shifty, almost similar play style to Smoke Harris, who we saw against uh, Louisiana Tech. Shifty, quick, makes guys miss in open field, get, get the ball to him on a screen, um, make, you know, make guys miss and, and take it for big gain. He went for 93 yards last year when they were in Lincoln. So he's done it before. He, he's seen these, most of these defensive guys before. So that he needs to be a big emphasis where they can't let him get in open f- space, and part of that's going to come down to getting pressure on Altmaier. Um, in, in terms of Illinois' run game, they're struggling with some injuries. The offensive line is struggling with some injuries, so it's kind of a perfect storm here for Nebraska to keep this game low scoring and close. They can't get into a shootout. Nebraska's not able to get in a shootout all year. If they get in a shootout there, <laughs> they're uh, screwed per se because – they're just not going to be able to keep up with the offensive firepower that they have. They want to make this game ugly. They want to make less mistakes, similar to the Minnesota game, but minus a fumble or an interception. And I think that's the script for Nebraska to get the win. Um, we're not going to give our score predictions because those will be on the site um, later this week. But I do think Nebraska has a very good chance to keep this game close, um, have them put themselves with a chance to win it at the end. Uh, and, may, and I think they'll finally capitalize on some turnovers here. Like you said earlier, they haven't been able to uh, capitalize on, on many opportunities to turn the ball over this year. And I think this is the game where they finally break through on some of those meaningful turnovers like you were talking about. Do you think Nebraska has a chance to keep it close here? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think Nebraska, 
again, they really are, their mindset, at least built off these press conferences this week, going into this game, really feels like a different change, change of pace, I would say, towards uh, past weeks, past matchups. I think that they, re- they know that how the stakes of this game, and I feel like that they are going to be able to perform against an Illinois team that has been struggling. They're going to be um, trying their best to expose their weaknesses, and I could see them uh, having a really solid game. What Matt Rule said on Monday of this is where last year's team turned it on. You know, Mickey Joseph took over the team. Big loss. Big loss to Oklahoma. And kind of the same thing last week. Big embarrassing loss to Michigan in a game that some people thought could they could keep it close. And then they turned it on. They, you know, wasn't pretty by any means. Went over Rutgers on a Friday night. Not saying the same is going to happen here. Low-scoring, ugly game against two pretty mediocre teams. But they had, you know, they got the win there. There were some very winnable games. Obviously, when Casey Thompson went out, it was a little bit harder. But there were winnable games down the stretch. And then finishing it off with Iowa, that team is two. You know, that last year's team is two wins away from a bowl game, and that's with a loss early to Northwestern and a loss to Georgia Southern. And and this year's team didn't lose to a Group of Five team, and they still have Northwestern on the schedule. So. I like Matt Rule's, you know, look at, hey, look what last year's team did. Look look at the, all the dysfunction that was going on in that locker room. We are a much stronger unit. We're all in, you know, we're, we're together, much more together this year. We're looking at the future, unlike last year. They were kind of looking at the past. They did it last year. Why can't we do that again? And so uh, I absolutely love what he said there of last year, this team turned it on in October. It's October now. We need to turn it on. Friday is an absolutely great opportunity for them to do that. Um, it's not going to be the least intimidating environment they've played in so far, uh, even probably less intimidating than playing in front of Memorial Stadium here in uh, Lincoln. They'll play in another Memorial Stadium, which happened to catch on fire on Friday. That probably should have been my best thing uh, that I saw this week. But I think maybe the stadium is just preparing for the absolute dumpster fire that they're gonna that it's going to see on Friday. But regardless, Nebraska has an absolutely great opportunity to catch a win here and move into the bye 3-3, three and three, get things right, return home 3-3, three and three, and, and there are winnable games down the stretch and a chance at a bowl game. Uh, it's a turnaround game. It's a must-win, in my opinion. Anything else you have to add about this matchup? Uh, nope, just must-win game. Expect Nebraska to go out swinging. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so that's all we have to touch on for football as of now. Now let's move into a winning program, Anthony, a team that actually brings pride to the state of Nebraska, um, who honestly may have been getting more national attention so far this year than the football team, at least for being good. Nebraska football's got quite a bit of national attention for being bad, especially with Barstool in town last weekend. But Nebraska volleyball, what a start to the season. They are 13-0 as of now with winnable games ahead uh, before a massive matchup from against Wisconsin here in Lincoln. I've absolutely loved watching this team. Obviously, as uh, working football, we don't always get the chance to watch, especially on the Saturday games. But of the games I've been able to catch, wow, it has been impressive what they've been able to do. Uh, any takeaways from what you've seen from Nebraska volleyball so far this year? Uh, yeah, this has just been, I mean this in like the best way possible, an unexpected start because going into the season, like they obviously were expected to be good. You know, It's Nebraska volleyball, mm-hmm. but nobody expected them to be as good as they are now. I mean, there's not a single senior on the roster. They have a bunch of new players, transfers, four freshmen getting a ton of playing time, and they've been able to just dominate really their full first half of this, uh, their whole non-conference slate. 
which include wins against Stanford, wins against Kentucky, ranked teams. They were able to dominate those games. Did go through a little tough uh, stretch uh, this past week in the Big Ten. Got two ugly wins, but a win is a win. Mm-hmm. And them just showing that they can win those ugly type games Absolutely. against teams like Purdue, Indiana, really just shows how those games are going to help them in the long run. Those games are going to help them more than you know the three-set victory over Omaha or mm-hmm. even a three-set Big Ten win. Uh, the five-set Big Ten road win will help them a lot more in December. Yeah, absolutely. It's been impressive. I know my freshman year went to the national championship, lost, but that was a great season. Kind of had a lot of hope going into the next year, bringing back most of the pieces, brought in a couple transfers, uh, brought in Becca Alec, and it kind of just fell flat at some points in the season. There were definite highs, but uh, there were some games that they probably shouldn't have lost, that they you know, some matches that they probably shouldn't have lost that they did, and then obviously came short in the tournament. Going into this year, though, lost a lot of pieces. Really, only returning Alec and Rodriguez as you know, you know, players that really um, were going to be pieces that they could build off of going into this year. Four, you know, four impactful freshmen, but still, it it, lo- it seemed like more of a building year, like you said. And I have been absolutely impressed. I think everyone in the state of Nebraska and throughout uh, college volleyball has been as well. The combo of, of Choboy and Rodriguez, just the amount of impressive digs and the highlight digs that we've seen from them so far has been impressive. And then up front, you know, the studs, the three freshmen that, um, and Andy Jackson, Harper Murray, and Bergen Riley incredible stuff that we've seen from them. Merritt Beeson as well, just one player of the Big Ten Player of the Week. Harper Murray was freshman of the week. The accolades are rolling. This is this the power that this team is is hitting with, I've never seen before. Um, their ability to defend pretty much any kill is unprecedented and it's been so impressive. Like you said though, last weekend was kind of tough. First time they went to five sets, ugly win over Indiana where they struggled early. But I think that does help them going forward, right? You have to learn how to win convincingly, and you have to win, how to learn how to win um, kind of tough. They're on a four-game road stretch right now. Um, they got Michigan State and Michigan, and then they go back to and they get Michigan State again at home. Those are all winnable games. I think they're going to be undefeated going into that Wisconsin game. I hope they are. I hope Wisconsin's undefeated as well. Can you imagine the TV viewership and the hype around that matchup here in Lincoln? It will seem almost like a football Saturday. It's on a Saturday, actually. It's against. It's the same day as uh, the Northwestern game. So that will be an incredible day for all Husker fans. Um, but incredible stuff what uh, John Cook's been able to do this year. It really speaks volumes to what women's sports can do in the state of Nebraska. Coming from somewhere where Nebraska volleyball wasn't like talked about or you know really college volleyball in general you don't really think about it until you're in this position where it is everything for so many people here and I I love it I'm passionate about the fan base I think it's it's great for the sport in general college volleyball needs a bigger audience in my opinion I think what we've seen so far this year is that people want to watch and you need to put it on tv for them to watch Um, so absolutely impressed what they've been able to do this year looking forward um, let's move in to basketball. I know you got to cover opening night, which probably didn't get many uh, impactful takeaways from that. <laughs> you got to see a little bit of a concert as well, and, and I know you've you got to go see Hoiberg speak to the media last week. What are your early impressions of how this team has kind of started to build toward the season, um, and, and any expectations that you think they can move forward with? 
But yeah, this Nebraska team brings back a lot more depth than uh, Hoiberg's used to in his time here. This team is the oldest in the Big Ten, has nine players with four-plus years of experience. So he is re- Hoiberg is really excited about that, really excited about what um, these transfers bring. Obviously, guys like Rank Mast from Bradley, Jerron Coleman, we, they got him late from Ball State, Aaron Eulis, depending on if he <laughs> plays. Uh, Who knows? <laughs> Bryce Williams from Charlotte, Josiah Alec uh, from New Mexico. Just a lot of great players that really bring in postseason experience, whether that be NIT tournament, NCAA tournament, even CBI, CIT tournament. But that's something that Nebraska lacks as they haven't been able to make any postseason in the mm-hmm. past. Uh, then, of course, bringing back Keisei Tominaga, fan favorite. Uh, Juwan Gary will be back from injury. Uh, Jamarcus Lawrence, again, really uh, came into his own towards the end of last season. So there's a lot to be excited about uh, for this team. And I think that overall, I mean, their non-conference slate this year, compared to years past, is much easier, much more manageable. Uh, whereas usually, whereas in the first couple years of Hoiberg, we'd have they'd have tough power conference road games, games like that, trap games. This time around, there's only one true road game, and it's at Kansas State. Obviously, tough matchup there. Then their only other time they're on the road, this non-conference slate, is a neutral site game against Oregon State at the Sanford Pentagon in South Dakota. So I think that this non-conference slate would really show what we need to see about the team, show if, they, if they're able to escape this with only – one, two losses, as obviously you got to factor in Creighton mm-hmm. into this non-conference slate as well. But how they perform early on this season is really going to shape the whole rest of the year. Absolutely. It's it's exci- It's an exciting time. I know last year kind of the, the biggest excitement for most people was that experience, like you said. Um, there were a lot of guys, including Greasel, that came in with tournament experience, whether that was NCAA or NIT, and it really showed. There were – more of a leadership factor on the team than in past years where, you know, in Hoiberg's first couple of years, the leaders on the team had no experience. And even though a guy like Bryce McGowans, who is an incredible talent and an NBA player now, didn't have that college basketball experience that they needed, right? Nebraska's never going to be the flashy five-star location. They need gritty, experienced veterans that can kind of drag the team up from the depths. And looking at what they've done so far this offseason, that is exactly what they try to replicate. You're not going to have the same necessarily leadership factor from anyone like they had from Greasel last year, but you bring in a bunch of guys that have this experience and have opportunities to really improve the team, bringing back some flashy young guys. And I think this team is really set up for success more than they have been in the past. Uh, that Creighton game is absolutely a mark on the calendar, getting them at home again, whereas last year was on the road, but a big win. Um, we'll learn a lot about this team early just because of how you know, experience they are. There's not going to be as much of growing pains that we've seen in the past. And I definitely think there's opportunity to make noise. You know, I haven't done enough deep dive yet to really understand if this team is a team that we can expect to compete um, in the Big Ten. But I think certainly improving on last year's momentum. They finished so strong, it's hard not to expect them to kind of carry that momentum into this year. So I'm absolutely excited for that season to start. We'll see with football where that goes, but you know, there's always basketball to uh, pick us back up after the end of the season. Uh, anything else you have to add about anything for us today, Anthony? Um, nope. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for listening. This is Scarlet Fever. We will be back next week to talk about the Illinois game and preview what's coming forward into the bye week, as well as talk about a little bit more about volleyball and basketball. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you then.